So hello and welcome to the review show attached to episode 10 of Rose Tinted Black and White Television. This is where David Newell and I discuss the episodes of The Saint that have been unspooling on Talking Pictures Television because we've had, or I've had, a minor break visiting unintentionally some well-known film locations. We haven't managed to do the episode called Judith, which we looked forward to in the last review show. And there's a last one called uh, Teresa, which was last Sunday as we were recording. There will be another one. So we kind of, there's, there's a slight time like david judith explain this, this is going through the uh, a small sequence of saint episodes um that just have the person's name as as a title uh, so we've got marcy to look forward to and we've got iris as well um to look forward to so there's a very like tight little group where it seemed to be um, like the guest lady of the week, their character just served as the served as the name. So we didn't have many, you know, uh, um, prosaic titles such as like starring the saint. The big cash in for for Judith in terms of uh, big fans um, out there is there's no other way of putting it. You've got Julie Christie in it. Kind of at the start of her career. This is just before she does Darling, isn't it? She's done Fast Lady with James Robertson Justice and Stanley Baxter. Uh, she may have probably, may have even done it the same year, Bidley Liar, swinging a handbag, walking around Bradford City Centre. Um, and all of a sudden, there's this very exciting young talent um, coming out. And you're right, about three or four years later, she's bagging an Oscar for Darling. So to have a fledgling star on the rise, that's, that's quite a coup. Um, the, the episode itself, she is uh, the daughter uh, of an engine inventor. Um, now, the, the science within the series may be a little bit lacking in this episode because it's a special type of engine, which is a prototype engine, um, as deep as the science goes. We don't know much, much else about it. It's kind of a turbine, isn't it? Yes. Um, there are some very technical terms such as turbine and engine that are used right. uh, uh, during the episode. But I think it's 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 a little bit of a MacGuffin. Now, bizarre, it's in Canada and it's French Canada as well, because it gives Roger Moore a chance to do his French, which he could speak fluently. And he, he equips himself very well when he's he's ordering Julie Christie's a drink and uh, a little bit of a snack. He's out, out and about not really being up to much and then his car gets rammed by julie christie or rather julie christie's car uh, and then it it spirals out she's like the damsel in distress and he appears to be able to to right some wrongs but there are some twists along the way yes fairly elaborate twists it strikes me that it is one of those episodes that relies very heavily on coincidence. It does. He just happens to be driving around. Well, to start with, he just happens to be sitting behind the richest man in Montreal. What are the chances of that happening, as no. Harry Hill would say? Quite. Because he's shouting on the maple leaves in ice hockey. And then this French-Canadian man sits next to him and says, you're supporting the wrong side. And, of course, it's an inspector. And 
the saint knows that he's an inspector uh, and the inspector wants to know what the famous Simon Templar is doing in Montreal. Um, but he says he's just there for the ice hockey. That's his excuse. Yes, uh, and omelettes in a restaurant that appeared to have has closed down about a year before. Um, mm, yeah, yeah he, he puts himself into a bit of a pickle with that one. So this fella, the richest man in Montreal, Northwade, I forget which Northwade he is, but he's the ruthless businessman who has double-crossed his own brother. Simon Templar says, I've had my eye on him for some time. And did you spot any reason why he should have had his eye on Northwade for some time? Because everything else seems to happen by accident. I'm not quite sure why. Could it be um, that it's played by the same actor who was a crooked lawyer a few episodes ago, um, David Bauer? David Bauer uh, has one of those very familiar voices because he used to do um, the introductory um, spiel for the champions. Oh, yeah. Very confusingly, he's actually in an episode of the champions where he's the villain. And you think, well, well why is the guy who, who's just told us who the champions are and what their secret powers are, why is he in this episode trying to figure out what the secret powers of the champions are? Doesn't he know? Doesn't he remember his script from the opening of the episode? Yes, so there's there's lots of Canadian intrigue within the North Wade family. And the reason why the saint bumps into Julie Christie's car is that Julie Christie has been hiding in the bushes. Mm. Um, and the great thing about the Commonwealth is that if you've got somewhere like Canada, they have buildings that look extraordinarily like large country houses in England, in the home Same counties. as well. Yeah, and, countryside. and the same kind of bushes that you'd get on the Elstree back lot. Mm, very handy. And so Julie Christie is spotted, does a runner, leaps into her car, reverses out as the saint, by pure chance, happens to be driving along the edge of the Northwade estate. Um, he hits her, she drives off, then he gets blamed for spying in the bushes. Which is a very delicate way of putting Then he gets arrested by the inspector who has got nothing to hold him on. So he goes back to his hotel. Now, one of the things that I think is very useful, um, there's quite a lot of genuine Canadian actors uh, in this episode. Mm. And one of them is Robert MacLeod, um, who has been in Two Saints, Man in a Suitcase, Adam Adamant, there's also Canadian Ronald Wilson. We've seen him before as a bartender in the Effete Angler. And he turned to directing and he directed 27 episodes of United, which is a football thing in the 60s, Seven of the Expert, plus Softly Softly, O&MD, and then 16 episodes of The Palaces and plenty of stuff oh, wow. after that. But this is one of the cases where you get a very helpful desk clerk oh is it one of those it's one of those ones where they're they're horribly observant and they remember lots of facts yes uh in the same way that, that because i looked at my watch at the same time inspector that's right in the same way as the the bartender who whichever bartender it was i'll come back to it um well the man who was lucky had a uh, 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 had a bartender that was really um really observant it was starring yeah, the same wasn't it uh, I remember uh, the note, Inspector, uh, because I did glance at it, and then I glanced at my watch, took a photograph. And, and so the very helpful desk clerk, 
as they say in North America, manages to supply quite a lot of information to people. He's able to give a very accurate description of what Julie Christie's wearing. Three or four, please. Oh, yes, Mr. Denver. By the way, on the parking lot, I caught the fender of a Pontiac license number 57162. Do you know who belongs to her? Oh, yes, sir. I can't remember the young lady's name, sir, but she just a second went into the bar. Uh, she's wearing a pink blouse with a black skirt and a kind of a top. And she's carrying a long black bag. Thank you. I'm not quite sure what's in the long black bag, but it also helps them use that set. There's quite a lot of that hotel lobby. See, in today's GDPR sensitive um, environment, you wouldn't be able to get away with that. Excuse me, I just saw a car in the car park. Tell me who owns it, please. Yeah, here you go. Um, there's a load of info um, uh, on them. No, you can't do that anymore. Um, we have protected rights when it comes to our data. So no, you wouldn't be able. You'd have to think of another way of doing it nowadays. Or you do it through an app or something like that. It's not nearly as useful in storytelling terms if you just look at your phone all the time. Yeah, just look at your phone all the time. Uh, I mean, the other thing, I don't know whether uh, has anyone ever tried this. You've 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 been an international traveller, guy. You've travelled, but you've circled the globe. <laughs> have you ever been anywhere? where you've, you've gone in and asked for something, perhaps asked for a table or a table by the window or a table at the bar, you know, seats at the bar or something like that. Um, and they've said, oh, no, sorry, uh, um, senora, monsieur. Uh, you know, we, we can't do that. And then you've just peeled off a banknote of that country. And then all of a sudden, you, you've got that seat by the bar. You've got the table or anything like that. I never have a big enough bankroll. Hey, American. Uh, yes, sir. Executives with United Motors. From Detroit, I believe. Put these in the box for me, right? Yes, sir. Bonjour, Monsieur Templin. Yeah. Um, and as you say, there were twists and turns along the mm. way with Judith. Yeah. Yeah, because normally uh, it's not a case of like an unreliable um, narrator, you know, narrator or anything like that, but usually. Um, the guest lady, particularly if she's got her name in the title in the episode, um, is is to be trusted. You know, the, they, they may be facing, you know, pressures from um, outdoor groups or, or other organisations or horrible villains or, or stuff like that. But normally they're to be sympathised with and, and trusted. Particularly when they introduce the famous Simon Templar to her father, Yes, yeah. Air quotes. Uh, yeah, you just think, well, crikey, yeah, this is... Is it because Julie Christie's such a good actress that she carries it off and pleads her case so well? I think it could be that. But then the saint suddenly seems to be so caught up with the idea that the wicked brother has double-crossed the good engineer brother that he is willing to retrieve the contract and the plans, which actually are kept in a safe in the Wicked Brothers house in an envelope, which says plans and contract very helpfully on the outside. That's really, that's really handy because that reduces the level of ransacking you have to do. In, indeed. I mean, it just could be so awkward. You're rummaging, you don't know what you've got and that what you, no. what you really need is a... Indeed. 
could be some deeds, could be like copy of your birth certificate, uh, all of those kinds of things that could be in the safe. Uh, but if it just, you know, there's an envelope that just says, you know, plans and contract, must be this. Must be this. This is the only engine that they're talking about. I'm going to take this. There's also the subplot with the evil brother's wife, who appears to be unhappy and pays Simon Templar a visit. And then Simon Templar and Judith drive to the outskirts of the estate. Um, but of course, the evil brother has got a lot of henchmen from his factory. The saint seems to be able to get into the house remarkably easily. Barely an inconvenience. Um, opens the safe and then is caught by the evil brother and his henchmen, exchanges a few barbed comments, and then the lights go out. And then he escapes, only to have a punch-up with one of the henchmen. Now, I was wrong-footed by this, because I thought, that's Jackie Palo. <laughs> the wrestler. The wrestler who um, got a severe hiding from Honor Blackman in Mandrake. I, thought, I was so convinced about this, I looked him up, and it's not. It's somebody else whose name you might remember, Billy Cornelius, ex-boxer. Oh, right, okay. But if you look him up online, you couldn't distinguish them in a lineup, basically. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be terribly inconvenient. Same nose, same hairstyle. I, I just wouldn't be able to recognise them. Anyway, he manages to overcome a professional stuntman. Then he escapes, meets up with Judith, and then what happens, Dave? Uh, well, there's, there's a little bit of chicanery um, because obviously, you know, Julie Christie is batting her big eyes um, about the fact that, all oh, right, this this will right so many wrongs. This will give us, um, you know, at last justice for our family. But old Simon has done a switcheroo. Yes, it turns out that Judy's father isn't her father. Liar, liar, pants, liar. <laughs> and that Judith isn't, in fact, the engineer's daughter. No, she's not even that. She's she just used, a liar. She used to be his secretary. And that's why she knows everything. And the guy who's playing her father is some poor schmuck she's drawn into this. Then they drive off with the envelope which has plans and contract on it. So they must, they, they, at that point, they just think, right, we've got it, because look what it says on the envelope. Look what it says on the envelope, fake dad. It says... <laughs> and then when she opens it... She's in for a bit of a nasty surprise. That's because Simon has... When the lights went out, he must have done a quick shuffle, got the real envelope, put a false one in, because you've seen what, it's, it, what it says on it. It says, uh, yeah. a bit of luck he didn't get them mixed up. That would have been awkward. Oh, no, is that my handwriting or is that... Anyway. No, um, so he goes back to his hotel room where he's locked a policeman who's meant to be shadowing him in the cupboard with a bottle of whiskey. He treats that police officer really well, though, doesn't he? Because you know, what you want is good service, really. Yeah, he, he buys him a big meal, doesn't he? He buys him, um, gives him sort of like unlimited access. That's right. Now, you know, pays for all his drinks uh, mm. and everything, and then locks him in a cupboard with um, a very polite note and a bottle of whiskey. So, uh, And then Judith turns up and 
tells the saint how untrustworthy and duplicitous he's been, which is a bit rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hang on a minute, lady. And he tells her to make herself scarce, otherwise he'll let the policeman out of the cupboard. End of? End of. Yes, an awful lot of coincidences. Simon Templer didn't need to get involved in any of that, but fortunately for us, he did. <laughs> yes, yeah. Right, let's move on to another North American set episode. Treza. Uh, uh, again, one of the sequence of, of names where the episode is just the title of a big guest starry lady. Like I said, we've got Marcia and I think we've still got Iris yet to come. Um, and in, in this one, it's with Down Mexico Way. It's south of the border disorder. Uh, and uh, Rog has gone to Mexico and to catch up with an old friend of his. Uh, that's that's never a good thing, is it? <laughs> Not for the old friend, anyway. Uh, he meets up with an old friend of his, in this case played by Alex Davion, who weirdly was going to play the saint in Starring the Saint only a few weeks ago. Um, but in this one, uh, Alex is a trapeze artist. Hey, Miguel, over here. Simon! Who's <laughs> the world's greatest trapeze artist? Ah, my old friend, you flatter me. I don't, you know. I've never seen anybody to equal you. What have you been up to? Oh, life goes on. The circus toured Europe last summer. And this past winter, we were in South America. And now back to Mexico for the fiesta. Sounds exciting. Ah, I'm afraid my life is very dull compared to the exploits of the famous Simon Templer. He's a trapeze artist who is approached by a woman who is trying to find her husband who mysteriously um, vanished after he attempted to um, assassinate the El Presidente. Then it all begins to spiral. The poor old um, trapeze artist, he doesn't see it through. I think he barely makes it to the first commercial break. But in his dying breath, he tells the woman where her husband is meant to be. So they, they set off then sort of a bit of an adventure in a big car. Um, there's there's evil Marnie Maitland, who also works at the circus and is also responsible for the death of the trapeze artist. He's responsible um, for a lot of deaths, actually, isn't he? He's, he's horrible. Um, and there's various other people that they meet. They meet Eric Pullman. Oh, pardon me, senora. My name is Juan Pepito Casamigas. Uh, the drama I just witnessed, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, leaves you alone and without an escort in a strange town. If I could be of any service... Oh, you are most kind, senor. And bored, uh, my dear lady, bored by the uneventfulness of a lifetime spent travelling in underwear. They meet a um, revolutionary leader, El Rojo, and various other. Plus, they meet the, the trapeze artist's um, mother, who, who has like a little shrine to um, to her son. There's lots of running around, lots of gunplay. There's there's a car crash. Um, and what's quite nice is, is it's like a little James Bond reunion. So obviously Marnie Maitland, who, who plays the assassin on their trail, was in Man with a Golden Gun. Um, and Eric Pullman, uh, for the first few James Bond films, is the voice of the unseen Blofeld. Uh, so it's it's nice to have those all, all together. In that. Alan Browning is also in it in, as a cafe owner with a gun. Go figure. He doesn't last long. Uh, but yes, there's, a, there's quite a high body count. Uh, and eventually we get to the point where, um, spoiler alert, 
that the revolutionary leader is actually Teresa's assassin husband. Although why she doesn't immediately recognise him, I don't know. I think it's because he's grown a false beard. Could be that. Um, I, I don't know. But yes, there's a fair amount of, of roughhouse um, in this. There's a certain amount of callousness as well. Paul Whitson Jones, who was in one um, an episode a couple of weeks, again, starring the Saints, he gets horribly knifed. Uh, yeah, Marnie Maitland just leaves a trail of destruction behind him. So when he, he does um, meet his end, towards the end, um, you kind of raise a little bit of a cheer. Yes, I mean, that end bit seemed to happen very quickly. I wasn't, I was trying to figure out, Marnie Maitland presumably kills Elho. Yeah. Then somebody, I presume Simon Templer, kills him. Yes. What happens to Eric Pullman's character? Uh, I think it's kind of okay for him. <laughs> or but, uh, he may have, just have one of those, you know, kind of just like get shot in the arm type thing, and, and that's all right. He kind of seems to disappear completely, like he's just uh, run off set. Um, uh, the, the, there is the comedic aspect of him trying to get on, on a horse, and then um, the, the, the follow-on sequel of him trying to get off a horse. Uh, as as well but yeah you 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 finally i mean it's not a big reveal when it turns out that he's a cop investigating the case uh, and he's got one of those sweaty white suits um which which roger has um as as well at one point um the thing that does uh, um amuse me in this is that uh, because obviously this is a guy who tried to assassinate el presidente so they have um, a huge network of, of police agents. Um, and the chief of police suggests that we use um, the highway police force um, to follow Roger and, and Teresa. Um, the highway, inverted commas, that they're driving on looks suspiciously like a Doctor Who sandpit uh, somewhere in the home counties. Um, and it doesn't even look like a road that they're on. But there are there are um, highway patrol officers along the way, and they're talking to their walkie-talkies to, to kind of let them know how they're progressing. I never realised that the highlands of Mexico looked extraordinary like the moorlands of England or Wales. Yes, the, the, they do seem as if they, for location shooting, they do seem as if they've gone a little bit further north than they normally would. It's um, the same kind of... Same kind of environment when Simon was on his walking trip of Spain. Yes, and of course, spoiler alert, we should tell people the real reason why Teresa wanted to find out whether her husband was dead or alive. Now, did she want to kill him? Or... Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's, I honestly it's, can't remember. I only saw it last week. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of episode. It's because she's fallen in love with somebody else and they don't allow divorce in Mexico, so she wants her husband to be dead. <laughs> oh, right, OK. Cool. I'm not entirely clear about who she was falling in love with, unless, of course, it was the policeman right at the beginning who seemed to say, oh, think right, that she yes, was quite special. Yes, there is uh, um, the cop investigating the case, because nearly everyone else dies. Um, including, um, and I'll just have a quick run through the cast list. Lana Morris, who plays Teresa, 
but was in 10 episodes of the Foresight Saga and 28 okay. episodes of Howard's Way in the late 70s. <gasps> With its famous theme tune. Do you want to sing it? No. <laughs> no, but it was in the charts, the Simon May Orchestra. <laughs> Eric Polman, we said, he's got one Avengers point and a Venus Smith episode. Um, and as we mentioned before, he's been in nearly everything else. He was Austrian-born, worked for the BBC during the Second World War and from uh, the 60s, he commuted for work between the UK and Germany and Austria. Um, Canadian Lawrence Dane had a long career working on both sides of the Atlantic. Marie Spoiler Burke. He's the villain in um, Bear Island, Alistair MacLean's um, big action epic. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Um, I'll try and forget that when I get round to watching it. <laughs> Marie Burke, we've seen her twice before in The Saint, and this won't be the last time. And yes, she was she was the mother of the um, deceased uh, trapeze artist. Alex Davion, as you pointed out. Been eating the other week. Yeah, precisely. And now he's a trapeze artist, but dies a lot sooner this time. His, uh, his characters in The Saint never last to the credits. Ricardo Montes... He's got one point, but there are loads of other stuff. Seven Saints, One Champions, A Department S, Man of the World, Man in a Suitcase, and obviously the real payday, 42 episodes of Mind Your Language. Oh, what? Mucho dinero. Um, Paul Whitson-Jones, four points, and as we said, it's his third appearance in all. He was a scriptwriter in Starring the Saint. There's another one coming at some point. Alan Browning, two Avengers points, but he was everywhere. But in the 60s, in the late 60s, mostly with 224 episodes of The Newcomers. Hey, caramba. I remember when his character, we knew that he was going to die, but we weren't quite sure, and he was mending a plug. Oh, didn't he get electrocuted? Yes. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. Whether it's about the same time or just like a, a, a kind of like a memory that you paste together, uh, I remember someone also dying in um, Coronation Street from an electrical fire um, as well. And he just saw, crikey, blimey, electricity, they say it's our friend, but in this case, it's a killer. I think there was, there was some doubt, though, about whether he'd been electrocuted or whether it was because he'd been complaining of heartburn. Or murder. <laughs> no, it wasn't murder. I think oh. he had a heart attack because that was you know, quite a, a common thing for middle-aged executives. So it's either electrocution or a heart attack. We'll let the jury decide. George Little, two points uh, and another stalwart. Um, have you um, guessed what the pride of place goes to? In, in terms of... In terms of the cast, Pride of Place goes to Frank Oligario. He's just got one point, but it's his second appearance in The Saint where he appears to be behind the same bar on the same set oh, he's, he's as in Pearls of Peace. Yes, yeah. And as you've said before, not really an establishment you'd want to frequent. No. Most bars and most clubs in film and TV are horrible. And you do just go, why would I want to go there? It's dreadful. And we should pay tribute to uh, the wardrobe department. 
this time under the care of uh, Joyce Stoneman, who did 32 episodes of The Saint, for keeping Simon Templar's white suit immaculate. Yet everyone else looks really sweaty and stained and dirty and grubby. Um, and don't forget, he, he has to ride a horse in some uh, rough territory. He's involved in a car crash. Uh, fisticuffs, there's the shootout. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like Daz washes whiter. He really does come out of it uh, um, smelling of roses and biological washing powder as well. It, it just seems to glow. Well, they wish. It's kind of about uh, Alec Guinness, man in the white suit. It's too bright. Turn it down, Rog. Yes, that was it. Was quite an interesting, exotic, international story, and once again, it just happens that the saint gets drawn into it because his friend is killed. Yes, yeah. Otherwise, it would just be nothing to do with me, mate. Do you think that was a real Mexican circus we were watching? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, but, and, and this is, this is one of those, uh, it's a little bit of a strange thing is to establish that it was Mexico. Now we've almost got a subset of stock footage that makes an appearance. And it's a real shame that on IMDB, there's not that, there's not a database of stock footage that we, you know, that we, we keep seeing. Uh, where you just go, wait a minute, we need some, we need some Italian stock footage. Oh, here we go. Got this. Got the Colosseum. Yeah, some Spanish stock footage. Oh, here we go. We've, we've got this. I think the real Mexican stock footage probably was the Fiesta. Um, yes. Yeah, there's the Fiesta and the, there's kind of like a big square piazza. Yes. Plaza. And then you cut to a set where there's a lot of extras in costumes having a whale of a time you know when he does his piece to camera i was thinking do they suddenly all go quiet or is actually he revoiced it because it's yeah, pretty it's, well it's like lip-synced conversations in nightclubs um even in modern cinema you know you're able to to um, whisper a threat to a visiting cop um at your at your slightly illegal establishment um without having to raise your voice or ask the dj to turn the music down um, it's great. There's a lot in in Bad Boys, um, the Will Smith Martin Lawrence um, films. There's loads of conversations like that. You know, no one has to bellow or shout or anything like that. Um, it's almost like there's these little pockets of quiet. Yes, I think there is uh, ADR. Remind me what ADR stands for, Dave. Um, is it automatic dialogue replacement? Dialogue replacement, yeah, I think it is. So that you, you for for most dialogue, most films, um, you know, you'll record it live, and then just in case there's, you know, I know wind blowing in the background or a dog, or a, a, a an airplane going overhead, you will then um, reloop it. Yes, which is um, and to avoid it. Apparently, there's a famous case of Harrison Ford in Blade Runner where there's a metronome ticking and he stops it in the scene with sean young and he explains that he doesn't want to spend ages looping or in adr quite simply because they're trying to get rid of the sound of the metronome the circus footage i'm pretty convinced is probably billy smarts or chipperfields or something like that oh i would imagine so yes um, so since it's only now 
26 minutes away uh, because we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Guy, what's the next episode that we've got lined up? Is it the elusive Ellis Shore? Uh, right, according to uh, our databanks, it is directed by John Llewellyn Moxie, who directed the pilot episode of Charlie's Angels back in the 1970s, amongst others. Uh, and who have we got in this? We've got um, Richard Vernon, um, we've got the sinister Philip Latham, uh, we've got Anthony Bate, uh, we've got Ellen McIntosh and Angela Brown all to look forward to. Oh, right. I mean, there's certainly a few points in that one. Philip Blayson, uh, best known as Willie Izard in The Troubleshooters and Mogul. Uh, oh, right. I was I was going to say, um, uh, I always remember him from uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Evil servant. Very good in it. And for some reason, um, Leslie Halliwell puts him in italics in the film guide. Oh, right. Outstanding contribution. It's just occurred to me that actually Philip Latham would be... If John LeMessure was not available, you'd get Philip Latham, wouldn't you? Yeah, just go to, yeah. Just like, non alternatively, just get rerouted calls or something like that. I'm afraid the character actor you were attempting to um, call can't come to the phone right now. However, we are directing you to another character actor of similar vintage and ability. Well, that's what your messaging service always says, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, well, we shall look forward to that. This has been the review show of Rose Tinted Black and White Television, the thing that's attached to episode 10. We have been covering the Black and White Saint episodes, Judith and Teresa, and there will be more of this nonsense anon. Adios, I suppose we should say. <laughs>